0: Awesome. Good to be here. If you're visiting or new, great to have you uh, with us this morning. I hope you enjoy the service and this message. I'm just going to cruise straight into it. and am going to set the scene. This is happening a long time ago because it's from the Bible. So I'm thinking about sort of 3,000 years ago. David was here on this world, and he was excelling in the service of his king. It was King Saul, and David was amazing. He uh, killed giants. We all know that David was a giant slayer, and he was defeating armies, Uh, but Saul, his king, just could not Cope with the success that was on David's life. He had a jealousy issue. He just he wanted to actually kill him and take him out because under him he was getting more success than what Saul was. So Saul had lost his way as the king at this time, and he and David. So it was actually dodging uh, spears at work. So, so the Bible says that Saul would actually throwing spears to pin him to the wall while he's working for his. King. Like, how random is that? How crazy is that? I'm sure he could have sued for a personal grievance, but he was just like such a faithful guy. So, we're going to like cruise into this, um, uh, the Bible here from 1 Samuel 19 and pick up this. And I'm just going to speak from this this morning for about 20 odd minutes. So, it'll probably be 30. But anyway, here we go. Uh, So, 1 Samuel 19, when David had fled and made his escape. He went to Samuel at Ramah and he told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and they stayed there. The word came to Saul, David's at Naoth at Ramah, so he sent men to capture him. But when he saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it and he sent more men and they prophesied too. And then Saul sent a third time and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Siku. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? And over at Naoth at Ramah, they said. Don't you love Bible names? Uh, So Saul went off to Naoth at Ramah. And then the Spirit of God came even on him. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. Then he stripped off his garments. And he (laughs) prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all that day. And all that night, this is why people say, "Is Saul also among the prophets? Question Mark. Man, that is a crazy story. That is an amazingly funny story. I think it's one of the funniest stories in the Bible. Like God has got a sense of humor to put that story in there. So, But it wasn't so much fun for David at this time. If you're David, you're like, what the heck is going on? And he finds himself running for his life because he was just too good at what he was doing. He was really successful. There was a touch of brilliance on his life. Don't you love people who are like that around you? And you're like, just stop it. You're too awesome. you're dimming dimming my awesomeness. And, uh, And so, but he was so amazing. Like, you know, David picked up the five smooth stones. And with the first shot he took, he took down Goliath with a stone and a slingshot. There was this touch of brilliance, this touch of grace that was on his life. And David, he was at the right place. And he'd been called into the service of his king. And he, he became King Saul's armor bearer as well. And he would lead worship, music, like in front of Saul to soothe him, and he was he was right there in the middle, doing the right thing, at the right place, at the right time, and yet all hell is breaking loose around his life. And I don't know if you're where you're at today, but whether you're just feeling like, man, what the heck is going on in my life? I felt like I did this, I did this education, or I had this vision for this, or this vision for my family, or whatever, but all hell is breaking loose around my life at this time. And so with David here, the spirit of murder, you know, there's a spirit behind the actions. And so there's a spirit of murder that is actually trying to cut short uh, David's life, his success, his future, and not only his success and his future, but David's in line for the king, right? He's in line to be king one day. And so this spirit is coming in and it's trying to take out him as king. It's trying to take out the whole nation's success because without David, as the king. You know, the nation was going to be influenced by him not being there. So, this was just like this demonic spirit trying to take him out at this time. And so he. He busts out of Saul's palace. He is on the run. And you can read that quickly, but he's actually leaving his entire life behind at this time. He's made like this great escape. He's left his his belongings behind, his favorite guitar, his armor. He doesn't even have a sword. And he's like all his friends. Like he just, he runs and he is running for his life. And as he made this escape, he would have been thinking like, man, where's my security? where am I running? What am I running to? Where do I go? You know, if you're ever running, like if, I don't know, if you've ever run from anything in your life and you're thinking, I've got to get out of here. I've got to find somewhere safe to go. And so he's running to find a safe place. And he's going, who do I run to? Do I go back to my family? Do I go back to my past? And, but no, David, goes, I'm gonna run to Samuel. So he bolts it, he runs to Samuel. And so from this passage, we can see that Samuel was David's connection to safety, to strength, and to his destiny going to break that open a little bit today, because a few chapters earlier, you can see that Samuel is actually, Samuel's the guy that David ran to, right? So Samuel is is um, looking throughout the land for who will be the next king, because King Saul is just having an epic fail. And so Samuel's, you know, God's saying, hey, it's time to go and look for the next king. And so he goes to David's family, and his dad is called Jesse. And so he, he asked Jesse if, if you could you, you can you guys go can you go get your boys uh, because I'm here to actually choose who the next king is so Jesse like goes out and he rounds up his family he rounds up all the boys and they all line up in front of Samuel and and Samuel's like what this guy's tall and awesome but it's not him and what he's so strong and muscular and this guy looks intelligent I mean this would but God's like no it's none of them so he goes back to Jesse and he says hey Jesse have you got Got anyone else. There's someone else out the back or anything like that. And and so and Jesse says, Well, actually, there is David. He's the youngest. He's just the shepherd. And I'll I'll go get him though. And so David goes out. Uh, Samuel goes uh, Jesse goes out and he brings back David. Uh, and so as soon as Samuel saw David, Samuel was, God said, you the he's the one. He is the chosen one, and the Bible says that he, that that Samuel anointed David in the presence of his brothers. He was called out from this place of rejection, uh, and and affirmed and selected by the prophet. To be the next in line for the throne of the nation, you know that kind of escalated quickly, isn't it? One minute he's like me, me, you know, looking after the sheep and like sheep poo, and oh my gosh, I'm just what I'm, you know, this is such a boring job. I don't get to talk to anyone. And then the next minute he is brought in and he is anointed as the next king. He's not actually put into that position, but the prophetic declaration is released over his life, and and God says to him. You you know, you have got a call, you have got an appointment, you're not here just for an accident, you're not just a reject in your family or out the back doing something, but you're, you've been a preparation because I've called you to, to do something great. So, So in Samuel, David, who who he ran to, he's found someone who believed in him, who speaks life over him, who's called him out um, as as a man in the presence of his intimidating older brothers. And, and, And Samuel said to him, you know, mate, God is with you. God is on your life. You are here and I, and you're not here just to pass through, but you're here to make an impact and actually impact the nation. So our God is a father of promise and destiny. You know, you didn't, you didn't turn up on this planet just by accident. I don't know if you're how, how you've been programmed by your parents and said that, you know, you went from goo to you and, and uh, there was a lucky piece of scum that crawled out of a pond one day and became a fish with legs, that became a monkey that, that went to university and, and became a truck driver. Like that whole thing is a theory and it's a load of rubbish. You are created by the Father. You came through your parents, not from your parents. The Bible Says this about you in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, I know that I have the plans, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know them, I know the plans. I've got a plan for your life, plans to prosper you, it goes on to say, and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. See, you have always existed in the heart of God. You were never not in his mind. You were ne- he, was, he is thinking about you. I don't know how he does it, but he has got a huge brain. And then in Romans four seventeen, it says this, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. You know that our God is a God of promise and you might feel like that you are in a dead end in your life at the moment, or you're just like on loser lane and God wants to take you somewhere, whoa, just about tripped over, somewhere Awesome. He wants to, to set you onto you know, into prosperity place. Let's call it that. He has got a plan to take your dead end and bless you. He is speaking life over you today. He is a God of life, a God of future. He is thinking about your future. He has a plan for your future, and He wants to see you hit the target. He wants to see you uh, achieve those dreams and go down those plans that He has for you. And when He calls you, He calls you as a father into a life of faith. He is a good, good father. And faith is ultimately your faith, our faith, my faith. And it's ultimately dependent upon the truth of the Father's promises, bringing the greatest definition to our lives. His promises are designed to shape you, to keep you, to guide you, and to launch you into your future. Because He's a good, good Father. He is so good. His, his word over your life is what you need today. But like David, you could be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and all hell is breaking out against you. And so this morning, I just want to take a look at a couple of reasons why David ran to Samuel today. So... David flees to Samuel and the prophets, and when he does, he runs into the promises of God being spoken over his life and over his future. He ran into a prophetic environment. He ran into the Word of the Lord. And so prophecy here, like Samuel is the prophet, and so his prophecy is essentially, it's announcing what God is announcing like he's saying something like God is speaking a new thing today. He has got uh, such a big plan for our region, for your family and for for our, our destiny. He is speaking over life over this community. So Prophetic words are full of life and truth, and they are in direct connection with God's heart. I remember once, uh, I was just thinking about this yesterday, and I was at Kiteria, it was around uh, Christmas time, and I was just like, we'd just done this little mean bike ride, my mate and I, and I was just passing through uh, like the the main Kiteria camp, and there must have been some Christian thing on, and I was just biking through with my mate, and this lady stops me, like out of the blue, from nowhere, and just says, you know... You're really uh, significant, and God has got a really good plan for your life. I was about 14 at the time. I actually had seen that lady around before. Like, she was from Blenheim, and I was from Blenheim. And she just spoke this thing into my life, and it just took me. You know, I was on my bike with my mate, doing my stuff, like, what you know, having fun. It's Christmas. It's, it's hot. It's sunny. And, and then, then she drops this word, and it just took me, like, totally by surprise, Totally raised my (laughs) self-esteem. Like it wasn't much, but I really had struggled with self-hate at the time. And so she just said, you're awesome. You're special. And there was something, she took a step of faith to do that. But God was saying that over my life. That's what prophecy is it's speaking life, it's speaking truth, it's speaking freedom over someone's life. And that just so blessed me. And it was such a small thing, yet it meant so much to me at that time. So you don't have to have the label of a prophet here today to actually engage in the prophetic that God is speaking. So David fled from, uh, you know, From murder, from hate, and he fled into the will and the promises of God. And I want to tell you, no matter what your season you're in, that that is always the best place to run to when when you know life is trying to crush you and take you out. Brian Houston says uh, said this a couple of weeks ago. Anyone who doesn't have a dream for their future will always return to their past. You know, prophecy calls us and activates us and says, "Come on, get out of your past, get out of that stuff, get out of those labels. Stop, stop listening." To the past, stop. Change the frequency because I'm speaking life over you. So prophecy ignites a dream, and prophecy uh, can amplify a vision that you're carrying in your heart. You know when you you've got something in a dream and it's a little bit discouraged, and you're like, man, I could never preach. You know, I'm just like, I'm so insecure, and I just get up the front and all I do is read my notes because this is what I used to do. And I was like, ah, and I would have people say, you can do it. I see you preaching in front of large amounts of people and I'll be like what you don't have you ever seen me try to preach that's crazy and 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 so this the, the prophetic word was just amplifying like God's word for my life and encouraging me encouraging the prophetic you need the prophetic to be amplified over your life so David ran and he he ran and he ran away from his past and he avoided his biological family he avoided like the just going back and hanging with the sheep and and sweeping sheep poo out of the store he avoided that he ran to his spiritual dad. He didn't run back to a shepherd. He ran headlong into the promises, and he sought his protection, because this is what prophecy does. It protects you. He sought protection in the prophecies. He sought it. He found it. He found shelter. He didn't know when he was running to Saul. Like Samuel, when he ran from Saul, he ran to Samuel. Samuel didn't have an army. Samuel didn't have anything to defeat Saul's men. He just had the word of God, and so he found uh, in the prophetic that there was a safe place for him to harbor and hide out. So when our circumstances are intimidating, we need to run headlong into the word of God and find out and discover what the Father is saying over our lives. Man, the Bible is the most incredible uh, manuscript, uh, word, you know, library that you will ever you know, Read in your entire life, and you will rediscover God's favor, his love for you. You know, just this week I was reading Psalm 16, and there's this verse that said, The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. And that just went boom for me because I was like, What's going on here? Where am I? Where am I? You know, where's my security? What's it going to be like in five, ten years? Am I going to have enough? And I read that because I was worried, and it just, Whoa, the word of God prophetically said to me again, your boundary lines, the boundary lines for you are fallen in pleasant places. I am the one who maps out your security. I am the one who places you in this piece of dirt in this location or in this job or in this. I am the one that you don't know how close that you are to my heart and everything about your life I have a plan for. I have a plan for, so when the boundary lines fall in pleasant places, I'm like, yes, sweet, I'll take God's boundaries for my life. So the prophetic word, it's a seed of the kingdom. And I want to encourage you, if you've ever had a word over your life, to hold it, to steward it, to believe in it, to write it down, to go back to it, and let the seed of the word of God germinate so that you can uh, uh, walk into that, those promises that God had, had you uh, for you, so David ran once again, he ran and he ran into a prophetic environment, and that is powerful spiritual warfare, you know like prophecy if you 're like feeling discouraged and shut down, just ask someone to pray for you and to declare god 's word over your life because that is great spiritual warfare right there so Samuel 's voice created an atmosphere, created an environment for God to bring his blessing and favour and protection through. And he was in tune with the Spirit of God. So this culture, there was this environment that he ran into. And and it wasn't him just running because Saul sent armies out three times to get him. And so this demonic agenda actually went out with Saul that day. It went out with Saul's men and, and they wanted to kill him. They wanted to capture him, but when they got into that environment of promise, they threw away their weapons. Like th- they were like, I hate you. I want to kill you. I want to rip you apart. I want to! I, I need to capture you, and I want to take you back. But then they got into this environment, and they were like, I hate you, but now I love you, and I want to bless you, and I want to declare life over you, and I want to declare freedom on you, and can I give you a kiss because You're now my friend. That's how crazy this story is. That's how incredible the power of a prophetic culture is. And then Saul is like, Man, I I I can't send a boy to do a man's job, and because he had sent these three parties out to get him. So he went out full of hatred, you know, to get David. But even Saul was completely uh, undone spiritually and physically through the prophetic atmosphere that was around Samuel isn't that incredible what speaking life can do and I love this passage because you see the power of the spoken prophetic promises of God shutting down demonic agendas you know in John 10:10 10, 10, it says that that the devil has come to steal kill and destroy so the devil is actually Come to do something. It's not just to kind of hang out and like have a, a rave party and like do drugs. He's actually come here with a with an assignment and agenda to steal, kill, and destroy people's, people's lives, rip us off. And then it says, But Jesus, but I have come to bring life and life to the full. So Jesus, when Jesus comes into an environment, he he just dismantles and disarms the devil's agenda. Come on. He wants to shut down whatever is around your life today that is limiting your vision. When you have Jesus, when you have words of Jesus spoken over your life, that word that he speaks is greater than the demonic influence. Unbelief. Man, he wants to take down unbelief. It's a mask of your faith, and he wants to rip unbelief off so that you can see what he's seeing so that you can believe what he's saying over your life. So I love this because it reveals to us that God can use broken people to declare his word powerfully. And we see that because we see the three armies go out, Saul go out, they're all going with hatred, they're all going to capture and shut down David. And next minute, they are being used by God to prophesy (laughs) and to declare life and freedom and love. And goodness, You know, I don't want anyone in this church to feel like you're going to wait to have it all together before you can be used by God to do something radical, something courageous, something faith-filled, something, uh, maybe it's a declaration that you want to say over someone's life. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe you just want to go and tell people how amazing God is and how awesome church is and you want to invite people along. But you're sitting there and you're going, I just don't have my life together. I don't have it all together, and I can't see myself doing that because I'm just too bad. I want to tell you, as soon as you start stepping out in faith, you start activating grace. You start moving toward the promises of God and away from that stuff that's trying to shut you down and prevent you from actually declaring God's Word, from stepping out into His assignment for your life. And so don't let yourself, your past, your baggage stop you. The Bible says that there, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus come on. There's no condemnation. Like, you're guilt-free right now. What happened last night? God doesn't even, like, that doesn't even stack up. It might mess you up a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, you're guilt-free. You're guilt-free so that you can you can run with the promise regardless of of where you are at in life. You know, like God always wants us to grow and he's calling us on so that, man, sin only just creates a mess for us. He wants to call us out of, out of our brokenness into his uh, promise. But I want to say today, you could be a great encourager, a great mouthpiece for God in your family, in, your, in our region, in, in uh, your workplace. Like, you know, you, you can engage today with what God is saying and what God is doing. Come on. Um, the other reason, the last reason why David ran to Samuel uh, that day was that th- that he ran to the man who believed in him and who had become a spiritual father for him. Paul says this in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 4, 15. If, uh, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I urge you to imitate me. Imitate me. Be like me. And I love this because Paul is just seeing something on this people that He is fathering. He's saying it's time. It's your time to be like me. And it's our dream here at Thrive to create a culture of spiritual fathers and mothers that will unashamedly call out, shape, guide, prophesy, and and invest in the destiny of others who will create room for people to run so that people can run into your life. And you're just going to create a haven for them by the words of life that you declare out over them. Who wants to be a part of that? That church, you know, we're not called just to be a bunch of guardians. And in some versions of the Bible, it says teachers, uh, and and it's uh, you know guardians and teachers are all good. But but our world and our generation doesn't need to know what they've done wrong all the time, or what they're not doing right, or or how to do this better. They're looking for uh, people who are, who are, don't just have a babysitter mindset, but who have a who have a heart to say I love you, a heart to say I believe in you. I I want to see the dreams of your life life fulfilled. I want to share my life experience with you. See, guardians just have a duty to fulfill, and they're just going to like, you know, I'm just going to look after these guys or these kids just for for the next hour, and then I can get on with my life. But a father, you know, you know, if you're a father, (laughs) your kids are always in your head, even when they're not in the room, right? That is like, they never, you're always thinking about them. You're always believing in them. You're praying for them. You're hoping that they're going to be safe and that they have got uh, God's will like invested in their lives. And so Paul's saying here, he's defining his relationship with this church at Corinthian as being a father. And he's saying, you know, I raised you. I fed you. I taught you to walk. You fell over, but I got you up and I've got you back on your feet. I dreamed, I prayed for you. And, and, I, and you're going to become someone great but now look, look at you. You're ready to imitate me. You're ready to carry a father heart, a mother heart for this community that's around you, and I want to affirm you as as taking carrying this mantle to father and mother a region. You know, Kevin Fallon came in here. I don't know a couple of months ago, and he said, "Things that last don't come easy, and things that come easy, they don't last." <laughs> Who knows? That's true, eh? And parenting, I'll be my my a dad here, man. Five children, woo! That does not come easy. <laughs> it's awesome. And I love my kids, but you know, parenting is like the hardest and it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. So over the last few months as a church, we've been looking into what it means to have a life that is built to last and I don't know how many kids you have in your family but if we're going to make the name of Christ great and leave a legacy as a church then we have to take this heart that Paul had here and says you know I've got a father heart I've got a mother heart and I'm called to a group of people to to nurture to raise to encourage to speak life over to declare that they have got you know that it's okay when they fall over and it's going to be okay and that my God is a God God of second chances, and you can stand up again, and you can walk tall in your life, you know, that's not going to be easy, but we're going to create, we're going to raise up a, a group of believers here who know that the, 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 the name of Jesus Christ is the name above all na- names, and that every everyone in this community, in this region would know somehow or other that their life is to be lived as a life on purpose, not a life of chance, of accident, and of isolation, because God has got a heart for everyone in this community. And he, you know, the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't start by saying, you know what, uh, uh, our genius uh, who art in heaven, or or our, our creator who, who art in heaven, or or our king who art in heaven, or our, you know, our captain or our coach, it says our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. There's something about knowing Dad as a father, and then being able to be a father or a mother and release that grace that love into um, into the, the the world around us you know we do not have an agenda of control or religion here at, at thrive we we hope that our our agenda is established in love that everything that we do that we believe in others every every uh, outreach or Connect group that there's there's something of the nature of love that is, is propelling us onwards to do for, to to answer the why are we here, why are we here in era? We're not here for religion. We're not here to tick the box. We're here for the sake of love. We're here. He loved us so that we can love others. So David ran to his father, his spiritual dad, not his natural dad. He'd been disqualified. He'd been rejected. And Samuel still said, I, I, I see you. I see what's on your life. I call you out of insignificance. I call you up today, and I prophesy over you that you will be a king. Take your place.